do a good job this morning. Hey, thank you so much for leading us in praise and worship. Well, my name is Kenny Rager, and I serve with the Kentucky Baptist Convention as a member of the evangelism team on the Kentucky Baptist Convention, and I help. Uh, if you were to divide the state down the middle, I would help with the left side of the state, which in my opinion is the right side of the state, by the way. And I, would, I help with the left side of the state in the area of helping our churches with outreach and evangelism. So on behalf of the Kentucky Baptist Convention, <coughs> we would like to say thank you to Crossroads for being part of the KBC family and for giving through the cooperative program. You may not realize this, but when you give through missions through the cooperative program, you are doing all kinds of great and amazing things because of your giving. For example, you are helping Onita Bible Institute, Clear Creek Bible College, Sunrise Children's Services. You are putting uh, field missionaries on the field like myself to be able to help our churches and to strategize and help our churches to think through uh, complex issues that they deal with. But maybe more than that, you are also putting on the, on the, on the national level, you're planting churches in New York City and Miami and Philadelphia and St. Louis, and the list goes on and on. And maybe the big one is that you are sending over 3,300 full-time missionaries on the mission field that do not have to come home and raise support. Isn't it good that we, what, what God can do when we work together, church? So thank you so very much for being part of the KBC family. I'm honored to be here in the absence of Brother Matt. I love your pastor. I love his wife. They're good people. And uh, I know you love them too. And I pray that they have a good vacation uh, this week. Though I, uh, I hear they're going to Frankfurt. Is that right? Why in the world would he go to Frankfurt on a vacation? But may the Lord bless him for that. Whatever... Whatever him and Dana are up to, may the Lord just give them grace for that. And, and hey, listen, I, he would never tell you this, but I'll tell you this. As a former pastor, let your pastor rest this week. Amen? Let him rest. Don't bug him on the phone. I, I, I know you're not bugging him. He would love to hear from you, I'm sure. But why, just wait till he gets back. Amen? Because let him recharge. Let him refresh. Just let him get his mind off stuff. And I'll tell you, when you do that, he comes back as a better pastor. Did you know that? He comes back better when you let him do that. So just, just let everything, y'all just handle it this week, amen? Y'all just handle it. Let him rest, let him have fun. Whatever he's doing in Frankfurt, may the Lord, may the Lord bless him. Well, it is a pleasure to be with you all today. If you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to begin by turning to the book of Acts this morning. The book of Acts, um, if you would, this morning, chapter 8, looking at starting in verse 26. Part of my task at the convention is to help churches think through evangelism and outreach. Now, you may be thinking, what in the world is evangelism? What is that? That's a big word. What does evangelism mean? Well, that simply means the spreading of good news. It means telling somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ and what he did. Um, is anybody thankful today that somebody told you about Jesus Christ? You know, I was seven years old when um, my mother first shared the gospel with me. It was a Sunday evening, and, and she asked me, she said, have you ever thought about giving your life to Jesus? I'd grown, I'd grown up in church, I'd heard the Bible stories, and God began to press in my heart right then and there that I was indeed a sinner, separated by God, separated from God because of my sin, separated from God because of my sin. And, and man, the Lord got a hold of me. Uh, that was on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, we had night church back then, Sunday night church, and I went to Sunday night services, and man, the Lord was all over me. Long story short, I went home that night, and I said, Mom, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. 
But it began with my mom simply asking me if I'd ever thought about giving my life to Jesus. And God began to use that to burden my heart to receive him as Savior. I'm sure if we were to poll people in this room, there'd be all kinds of names. There'd be grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads and brothers and sisters and pastor so-and-so or preacher so-and-so or at a revival here or a revival there of somebody that explained to me the good news of Jesus Christ. And God got a hold of you and God touched you and he drew you to him. Because somebody was faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus with you. So friends, if somebody told us about Jesus and took time to tell us about the good news of Jesus, here's a question. Should we tell other people about Jesus? Should we be involved in telling other people about the Lord? Should we too tell others about Jesus? Paul would tell us later on in the book of Romans, he would say that faith comes through hearing the word. People cannot know about Jesus unless somebody tells them about Jesus. Did you know on any given Sunday, 80% of Kentuckians are not in a local church on a Sunday morning? 80%. Uh, and the reality is, is that the majority of our state is lost, does not know Christ. doesn't mean that all of that 80% that's not in church isn't, isn't saved, but, but the truth is probably about 60% from what we have been told at the KBC probably does not have a relationship in Kentucky with Jesus Christ. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. About 60% of our people don't know the Lord in our state. and About 80% aren't in church on any given Sunday morning. People need the Lord here in Kentucky. Your friends, your family need Jesus. On average, statistics show that the majority of Christians have never told somebody about Jesus. The majority of Christians. Now, I hope that's not true for Crossroads Fellowship, but, but if that stat is true, that means that only a few of you all have ever participated in the act of sharing your faith with somebody else, of telling somebody about Christ and how they can be born again. Well, friends, if somebody has told you about Jesus, we need to tell other people about Jesus. But Kenny, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get started. I don't, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm shy. I'm timid. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, I'm so glad you came this morning. <laughs> We're going to look at God's word and we're going to learn how to share our faith this morning and, and some basic principles of sharing the gospel this morning. I want you to stand to your feet as we honor God's word. Um, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. The word of God reads this. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? Well, how can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, he does, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who, 
Who is the prophet saying this about himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the church and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and as he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Father, we thank you for the word. May you bless it today. We thank you for the grace and forgiveness that you give us. And Lord, you know that I need grace and forgiveness today in order to proclaim your word. But Father, we pray that the Spirit would open up hearts today. And God, and I pray two things. Lord, I pray for the Christian to be burdened about sharing the gospel with others, that you would begin that spiritual work of burdening their hearts. And Father, I pray, Lord, if there be one today that does not know you as Savior, that today would be the day that they call upon you and receive you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. I love this story. Let me give you some context. Um, in, this is happening years after Jesus, or a few years, a few years after Jesus has uh, went, to, uh, went to the cross and died and has rose again. And the, and the church has been born. The Spirit of God has come. God is doing amazing things. And a great mission force begins to spread out. And people are, are going out and telling the gospel. One of these people is a man by the name of Philip. And Philip was a deacon in the early church. Do we have any deacons in the house this morning? Any deacons at all? Well, listen, this was a deacon that went out and shared the gospel in, in the neighboring town of Samaria. Now, I understand something. Samaria and Jewish people, Samaritans and Jewish people didn't really get along with each other. There were some racial tensions. It was bad. It was not good. But yet God led Philip to Samaria to present the gospel to them. Aren't you glad today that the gospel is for all people? Not just one group of people, but for all people. Jesus died for the whole world, amen? And that's good news for us today. So Philip is there, and he's preaching in Samaria, and man, people start getting saved. I mean, it's amazing. Revival breaks loose, and God is moving. People are getting saved. I mean, it's so crazy that, that Peter and John have to come down from Jerusalem to check it out to make sure the Samaritans really can get saved. And guess what? They could. <laughs> And they did. They got saved. I mean, revival is breaking loose, and God is moving and doing phenomenal things. Now, if I was Philip, and then I went to an area, I mean, all these people are getting saved, and all this great stuff is happening. You know what Kenny Rager would have done? He would have planted roots there. I mean, he would have sat down and created the first Baptist church of Samaria right then and there, you know. I mean, he would have camped out. He would have bought some land, built a building. I mean, he would have done it. It would have been amazing. But that's not what God did with Philip. You know what the Lord did with Philip? People's getting saved. Revival's breaking out. And you know what God does? He makes Philip leave the revival. Now, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Why would the Lord send Philip away from the revival? Because here's the reality. If there's just one person that needs the gospel somewhere, God wants them to get saved. Did you know that? And so the Lord leads Philip out of the revival into the desert. 
Now, revival is a place of life. A desert is a place of what? Death. Ain't nothing there. But yet God tells Philip to go to the wilderness, which makes no sense, none whatsoever. And there he goes. And what happens? As he's surveying the land, he sees a chariot pulled over on the side of the road. Now, do you think that's a coincidence? Yes or no? No. That was a God thing, wasn't it? The Lord was involved in that. He sees a chariot on the side of the road, and right then and there, the Holy Spirit speaks into Philip's heart. He says, go and join that chariot. So Philip walks up to that chariot, and there in that chariot is a man from Ethiopia. He's an Ethiopian man. He works for the government, and he has went down to Jerusalem, apparently to do some business or something. And while he's in Jerusalem, apparently he goes by the temple to look at the temple, and he must have went to the temple bookstore and bought himself a copy of the book of Isaiah, right? Because he's got a copy of Isaiah from the Old Testament in in his lap. And as Philip is coming up to the chariot, Philip hears the man reading from the book of Isaiah. Now, do you think that's a coincidence, yes or no? No, God's at work, isn't he? God's at work. God's moving. And what's Philip doing? He's joining the work of God. He's joining the Holy Spirit and his activity. And he asked the man, he says, do you, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I unless somebody guides me? I don't get it. So he begins at that point, which so happens to be one of the best passages in the entire Old Testament about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, Isaiah 53. And, and the guy says, well, who's he talking about? And Philip's, Philip begins to tell him this is about Jesus, that, that Jesus is God. And, and he came to this earth because we're sinners and we're separated from God. And, and if we die on our own, we're going to split hell wide open. But Jesus came and went to the cross and he had nails put in his hands and his feet. And he suffered and died. And man, he took all of our junk on him so we could be saved. He was buried. And you know what? On the third day, God the Father raised God the Son from the dead. And if you believe and receive, you can get saved. That old boy listened to that. He heard it. And Lord, the Lord began to warm his heart up. And they were maybe going on a little walk there in the desert. And they saw some water over there, which again, another miracle, amen. And he says, hey, I want to get baptized. Philip says, do you believe? He says, I believe. He says, wants to get baptized. So he takes the man down the water. He baptizes the Ethiopian and he pulls him up and then something amazing happens. This man, Philip, is raptured up and put somewhere else. Now, can you imagine being that Ethiopian? Who is this guy? He just told me about Jesus, he got saved, and boom, now he's gone. But you know what I love? Is that God pulled Philip out of the revival. He put him in the desert, saw someone get saved, takes him out of the desert, puts him in another place to keep on going. Isn't that the testimony of what we're supposed to be doing as Christians? When is the mission accomplished? Newsflash. Not till you go to heaven. <laughs> when, do you, when have you reached enough people for Jesus? Newsflash, not till you go to heaven. Y'all with me on that? The mission is not over for you. It's not over for you. So you best be involved in God's activity. You best be involved in helping other people to experience the salvation of Jesus Christ. There's three principles I want you to see from this text. Three principles about sharing the gospel and how to be about God's work of sharing the gospel. Number number one, we must learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. We must learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, Look at verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. 
Philip was in a relationship with God, and he could hear the voice of God, and he knew the Lord. Now, did Philip hear the Spirit out loud? I don't know. It was more than likely probably a drawing within, within his heart. Oh, well, Kenny, if I could only listen and hear God speak to me, then I would know who I was supposed to share the gospel with. Well, my friend, you can't. But Paul would tell us in Ephesians 1 that when you believe in Jesus and Christ saves you and redeems you, that he gives you the Holy Spirit as a down payment in your heart. You know, when you get saved, not only are your sins forgiven, and you're saved from your sins, saved for heaven, let me tell you something really cool that happens. The Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you. Did you know that? A Christian has the Holy Spirit in their life. Now, the Spirit does a lot of things. Paul tells us in Galatians 5 that he produces fruit in your life, like love and joy and peace and patience. And, it, and, and, and John tells us over there in John 15 that the Spirit's work is one is to glorify Jesus. So when the Spirit of God comes into you, you know what he's doing? He's making you look more and more like Jesus. And he's wanting you to glorify Jesus. Now, is Christ glorified and honored when we tell other people about him, yes or no? Well, absolutely. Absolutely Jesus is honored and glorified when we tell other people about him. So listen, if the Spirit of God lives inside of you and his work is to make you look like Jesus and is to glorify Christ, don't you think the Spirit is going to help you lead other people to Jesus? Acts 1.8, you will receive what when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The Spirit of God lives in you. We as Christians must be able to discern and listen to what the Spirit of God is telling us. Now, we understand that the Word of God, the Spirit will always lead us to what the Word of God says. And we must always listen and obey the Word of God. But today the Spirit is trying to lead you to certain people to share the gospel. I want you to think just for a second, is there anybody in your life that doesn't know the Lord? For example, do you have any children that don't know the Lord? Or grandchildren that don't know the Lord? Do you have parents, grandparents that don't know the Lord? Do you have cousins, nieces, nephews, etc. that don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior? Do you have friends that don't know the Lord? Do you have co-workers that don't know the Lord? Do you, have, do you have neighbors that don't know the Lord? If you could say, you know what, Kenny, I have at least one person in one of those groups that I know personally that does not have a relationship with Jesus. Could you raise your hand this morning if you know one person today that doesn't know Christ? Now keep it up just for a second. Have you ever thought that that's the person the Holy Spirit is leading you to go to? Well, that's Brother Matt's job. No, man, it's your job. Well, that's the preacher's job. No, it's your job. It is the great commission for all believers. It's not the great suggestion. Y'all with me on that? Bill Faye says, and shared just without fear, that, that many of us are guilty of the sin of silence. The sin of silence. We've got to learn to listen to who the Spirit 
is leading you to. Let me give you a prime example just, just from today. Um, I drive through here often and um, through this, this area from Elizabethtown where I live. And a few weeks ago, I stopped at a gas station and there was a guy there and struck up a spiritual conversation with him. I gave him a trap, began to witness to him. And this morning on the way over, I thought about that guy. And I said, you know, I'm going to stop there again. And you know what? He was working again today. Today. And I went up to him. I said, man, I bought me a cup of coffee. And I said, man, did you get to read that little book I gave you? And he said, man, I read it. I read it. He said, I even left it here for my coworkers to read. I said, that's cool, man. That's cool. I said, have you thought about giving your life to Jesus more? And we had a little brief conversation this morning. That's the Holy Spirit working, amen? See, God wants to use you. You just have to let him. Amen or oh me this morning. First principle of sharing the gospel, you must learn to listen to the who? To who? The Holy Spirit. Number two, you must be willing to guide them to the gospel. Learn to listen, guide them to the gospel. Now look, look if you will, look at verse 30. When Philip ran up to the chariot, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I love this because the the Ethiopian is a great picture of what lost people are like. We immediately think, I grew up in church, Kenny, and I've been in a church culture, and everybody knows about Jesus. Everybody in Trick County knows about the Lord. Everybody in Katie's knows about Jesus. Do they? Do they? I think what we're learning and discovering is that people are, even within the church, men have a bare knowledge of the gospel in the church. So you, you go outside of that into the lost world, people are as confused as confused can be. And notice what happens. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And what is the response of the Ethiopian? What does he say? How can I? How can I? Well, Kenny, those people should just know. Should they? How can they? How can they? Unless somebody does what? Helps guide them. You know who that person is? <gasps> Bingo! It's you. And me as well. We are to be willing to guide them to the gospel of Jesus. To the gospel that tells us that Christ is God who died and was buried and rose again. And that if we give our lives to him, we can be saved. We have to, as Christians be able to articulate our faith and help somebody cross the bridge from death to life. We have to be able to do that. Well, Kenny, I don't know how to do that. Well, listen, you have a pastor that loves evangelism. Did you know that? And he is doing his part to help you to know how to tell people about Jesus. Can I give you a tip? Take advantage of that. Amen? Let, when your pastor offers evangelism trainings and things like that, do it, right? Do it. Do it. Well, Ken, that makes me accountable if I learn to do it. But you're accountable already. You know that, right? You're already accountable when the moment you gave your life to Jesus. So I'd go to the training. Amen. I'd go training. You're already accountable. You're already accountable. But second, you know what? I love the testimony over there in John when the blind man gets healed, remember that? And they said, man, who healed you? It was Jesus who healed him. And the guy said, I don't know. 
But here's what I know. I was once blind, and now I can see. Let me tell you something. You may not know everything about the Bible, but if you know that Jesus Christ has saved you and that you've been born again, you have enough to tell somebody about Jesus. Are y'all with me on that? You know enough. I don't know. I don't know everything. But I can tell you that I gave my life to Jesus, and he changed me, and he gave me something new. He gave me a brand new start. Your testimony can be used by God in a great way. You just have to guide them to the gospel. It's not enough. It's not enough just to do good deeds and you hope that they think you're a Christian. It's not enough. You must be willing to guide them to the gospel. They must hear the gospel message. They must. They must. I heard a missionary say one time, he said, you know what, you can go on a mission trip and you can feed all the starving people and you can build all the orphanages and do all that. But if you don't give them the gospel, man, this struck me, you're sending them to hell on a full stomach. Now you think about that for a second. You're sending them to hell on a full stomach. We must learn to listen. We must be willing to guide them to the gospel. And number three, number three, we must wait for their belief in baptism. We must wait for their belief in baptism. Now, you know the rest of the story. You see what happens. The guy hears the gospel. He, he believes the gospel. They're walking. He's baptized there in the water. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, we understand that baptism does not save a person. Baptism is the outward expression of an inward belief when you give your life to Jesus. And he saves you right there on the spot. Anybody thankful today that Jesus saves us and not water? Jesus saves us. But yet we are scripturally, biblically baptized to show people that Jesus is in our life. Christ was alive. He died and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, which is why we're baptized. He, down under. Y'all with me on that, all right? It's to show people that we're saved. You know, you may share the gospel with somebody, and they may be like this guy. This guy is what I like to call a 9.9. God was working on his heart. I mean, the Spirit was stirring in this man's life. All you had to do was get out the name Jesus, and he was getting saved. You know what I mean? He was ready. He was a 9.9. Philip didn't have to wait very long for him to believe or be baptized. But not everybody you meet is a 9.9. If number one is lost and number 10 is born again, this guy was a 9.9. But not everybody's like that. Some people are, are a 2 or a 3. They're not saved yet. But they're not warmed up yet either. What happens if you share the gospel with somebody who, let's say, is, is a 4, and you present the gospel to them, and they don't accept Jesus? They don't get saved? But their heart is warmed up a little bit, and they move from a 4 to a five. Was that success or failure? Anybody like football? What do you call that? Yards gained, right? You can't win a football game without yards gained. What if God uses you to help somebody go from a four to a five, and then God comes along and uses somebody else to help them go from a five to a six? And then for, listen, if you ever see somebody get saved, in a, in a church service, God can take a one to a ten. I've seen it happen many times, but there's a lot of times 
in that church service, when they accept Jesus, there's been a lot of people witnessing them to get them there. Does that make sense? <laughs> the evangelist gets all the credit, right? <laughs> because they brought them there. But no, God is the one that gets the credit. And there's been people that's been faithful in helping them and coaching them and guiding them. Sometimes it takes over nine times for a person to hear the gospel before they're ready to get saved. Over nine times. What if you're one of those nine or ten? You're not losing if they... And by the way, if they refuse Jesus, listen, they're not refusing you. They're refusing the gospel. You're the messenger. And that should take a lot off your shoulders. Amen? You're the messenger. But you got a message. And you have to share it. We learn to listen. We've got to guide them to the gospel. They must hear the gospel message. And then we wait for their belief in their baptism. So I ask you today, are you faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus? Have you been faithful in telling other people about the gospel? Are you part of God's mission? Here in a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer, and, and our, our worship leader is just going to play a, maybe a little bit of another song in closing. But I want you to spend a moment this, this morning of thinking about people that don't know Jesus in your life. And I want you to, to call upon the Lord, yes, to save them, yes, to save them, but also to give you the boldness to go to them and to give you the courage to go to them. Friend, today you may be in this room and you, you think, oh, Kenny, I can't share the gospel with somebody because I don't have the gospel in my life. Jesus is not in my life. If I was to die right now, I'm going to split hell wide open. Kenny, what should I do? Well, if that's you today, your, your task is this, is to believe that Jesus died and rose again and to open up your heart and let him save you. So today, I'm going to ask our, our, our musician to come. I'm going to pray. He's going to lead us in a little bit of a song, and I want you to quietly meditate and reflect and ask God this morning, to help you. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We ask you in this moment now, God, to, to burden our hearts for the cause of the gospel. And, Lord, and I pray that the people here of Crossroads, Lord, would begin to, to get a burden and to catch the fire for evangelism and missions. God, not just to support, but to be involved. We pray this in your name. Will you stand with me, please? The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself and darkness tries to hide Trembles at his voice Trembles at his voice How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God And all will see how great 
house this morning and uh, um, let's take this as a challenge guys I mean we're going to run into people and listen and let the Holy Spirit speak to you and as you meet people uh, people will be in your path and uh, uh, just think if this week if every one of us here shared the gospel to one person uh, what what a difference that can make so look for the opportunities all right uh, it's good to be here uh, continue to pray for Brother Matt, Miss Dana, as they're on vacation. Uh, keep in mind if you can help with uh, uh, moving in our, our, our uh, youth minister over in uh, Murray. Uh, they're some, it's part time here, okay? So he's got other employment, and that's part of the reason that over that away. And uh, but if you can work that out uh, Friday around 11, um, I'm sure that they would appreciate uh, all the help. Uh, is there anything else before we close? Brother Matt Ladd, will you dismiss us in a word of prayer?